What the beep? Uh, I didn't realize you were counting it down there. I didn't see that there at all. Okay. <laughs> what the beep just happened? <laughs> hey guys, I know it has been a while since I've checked in, so we're starting up season two, and to start us off, we've got a cool idea that Joe here and I came up with. Hello. We would discuss some... Um, poignant memories and significant events that occurred within our lifetime because we obviously grew up in different times vastly different yes <laughs> I'll, I'll add the vastly different it's okay <laughs> we're also going to be having a special guest in a few minutes which is joe's mom <laughs> josie Barr, and obviously she had a whole nother lifetime so we're going to do a little lifetime inception that sounds so. cool but let's start off so what was one <clears throat> thing that was significant to you growing up um, the first thing that always pops into my mind when I think about, you know, occasionally you think about different historic events, especially like now that it's kind of a big historic event going on. Yeah, we're living it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first thing I always think of is the Kennedy assassination. And, you know, not that it's more important than anything else or has, it's just the thing that really, you know, hit me at the time and always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, it was certainly, you know, a big event. And so now when I see it on TV, I'm still fascinated with it. I could watch shows about Kennedy assassination all day long. You know, so. It must be weird to like <clears throat> see it uh, portrayed as such a historical event. Where you're like, I remember exactly yeah. where I was. And I how was, old were you? I was 10. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of the scenes that they now show on TV shows about the assassination, you know, we were sitting there watching it live on TV. Happen- <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, pretty amazing to have lived through that. I remember I was in school, came home from school in the early afternoon. I think the assassination was later in the afternoon, two or three o'clock. Um, had been home from school and outside playing. And the house we lived in, the lady downstairs was my babysitter when I got home from school. Okay. So I was out in the backyard playing and she called me in and just said, they shot the president. And I'm like, wow, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking back now, I'm like, I'm 10 years old. What does that mean to me? <laughs> okay, that's scary and bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after that, uh, for that time and probably the next two days was just nothing but sitting glued to the TV, watching every event unfold, you know, and um, we had off school. So we just sat, and that's what I remember about it, just sitting there for, I'm pretty sure it was two days, watching everything unfold as they showed, you know, the and they kept going back to the... In Dallas, and now the body's coming out of this, and all these little events that you see right now. Um, we like I said, we just watched live unfold on TV. For example, we were just sitting there watching them bring um Oswald transfer him to another jail, I forget exactly what, and just watching it. And all of a sudden, this guy jumps out of nowhere and shoots and kills Lee Harvey Oswald, yeah. who was Jack Ruby at the time. But we just were sitting there watching live news on TV and saw it happen. That <laughs> so must have been insane. It was bizarre. It was like, okay, you know, it was like, wow, another thing. The president just got shot. Now yeah. some other shooting is going on. It was just craziness. Yeah, I don't think we get that live aspect a lot anymore to that degree because television has advanced in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. But, like, everything was live back then. Yeah, so yeah. it was a whole different experience watching the news, I'm sure. Yeah, and it was sad. You know, I remember a lot of the parts were sad. I was crying. I remember crying. When the funeral procession, you know, going down the road and they played those drum, the drum beats and the yeah. music that makes it real, you know, it was very, 
ceremonial right. at the time. So, yeah, it was pretty sad. And uh, also, um, I think my dad was involved in politics at the time in the Democratic Party. So, you know, Kennedy was like, you know, probably in our Italian household, he would have the Pope, uh, Frank Sinatra, and then probably a picture of Kennedy. <laughs> I was going to say, it had to be Frank Sinatra yeah. in there. So, yeah, Kennedy was pretty, you know, revered amongst the... Uh, the Italians, and yeah, etc. Yeah. yeah, and he was Catholic because he was a Catholic, too. right? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, he was quite a hero. So it impacted all our family, you know, in that way. Like we really lost sort of like you know who we felt to be a real ally for the common people at the yeah. time. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people felt that way. Yeah. It was a great loss for the entire country. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's my that's the first one that I would. You would think, I would think of. of. Should we do switch off? Like yeah, I yeah. do one, you do one? Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the obvious ones, again, just as you said, not that it was exactly super significant in my life, but it was a significant event overall, was 9-11. I was six when 9-11 happened because I was born in 1995. And I remember it pretty clearly of what happened. Um, I just remember that the teacher came in and told us what was going on to like I don't remember her exact words but in as simply as she could put it again how how could you even fathom what that even meant right I feel so bad for her it must have been like how do I explain this to these kids and you yourself are extremely distressed so um yeah I just remember her coming in and kind of telling us and then I don't remember much more happening that day I don't remember if we got sent home but I don't remember anything of that school day and the next day I remember coming in and still not being super clear on what happened. I remember the kid across from me explaining the whole thing and <laughs> and it was just really weird. Just it, it was very eerie the way I think as a 6-year-old all the adults acted was very out of control. That was scary. Yeah. But um because it was certainly something that had never, you know, we had never heard of before right. happening. And do you remember where you were during 9/11? I was at work. Yeah, in okay. the morning we heard it on uh, um the end of, I shared the room with another programmer. And we um, used to listen to uh, at New Jersey 101.5 pretty okay. frequently while yeah. we were working, which mm-hmm. is a talk, talk and news station in New Jersey. And we had that on. And that's where we first heard it, you know. But you hear it, and it takes time to unfold because right. you first hear it as uh, a plane hit a building. You're like, that's, no, that's weird. He went out of control or whatever, you know. Right. And then as the pieces start to come together, then you have this realization of what actually happened. You know, and, and I think that was the real horror because my mom's told me that, that she was just at home. It was the morning. And actually, she and my stepdad were going to go to Philadelphia that day. And uh, I think for some reason, some coincidence, they didn't go which was a blessing, wow. but my mom was watching it, and of course, it was like the first plane crash, and they were like, that's really weird, mm-hmm. but not thinking that there was anything malicious involved, and then the second one occurring, and just the sinking horror, and that this is not an accident, this is intentional, so. It was horrible in so many ways, <clears throat> you know, in just in the fact of what happened, and again, like I said, in the fact that now this is on our soil, you know, no such oh, yeah. thing has ever really happened. Yeah, it was to... it was groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, and then little by little, over the course of the next, you know, week or two weeks, you you know, I would be in conversations with people and be like, oh, you know, this and that, or her, their uncle, used, you know, was up there, you know. Yeah, me too. Out. I me mean, too. I didn't have anybody directly that I could say I knew, but certainly, you know, two or three times removed, you know, there was a lot of people. Yeah. 
Um, same, having the points of contact. I didn't have anybody specific that I knew, but I've run into many people, like even at college, that said, yeah, my my uncle was there, and either they passed away or they, yeah. you know, were involved. And uh, it's really crazy. Um, my psychology professor that I just had this past semester actually was a former police officer in the NYPD, and he was there in New York the day oh, wow. that happened. So. Well, our, um, our old banjo player, John Apicella, Johnny Ace, mm-hmm. He was a um, worked for a law firm in Manhattan. He was a lawyer, and their offices were just a block away. That so is he was, crazy. He was going. This is a, just a quick story, but yeah. a personal story. He was got off the train. So he lived in Elizabeth. Um, got off the train, went to get his coffee, and he said he came out of there with his cup of coffee, and he and there was like papers just fl- flying out of the air, almost wow. like confetti. He had no idea what that even meant. Yeah. And as he got out on the road, he looked up and he saw what it meant. So wow. he was literally within the zone when the both planes hit. He was, they were trapped. Him and a few other people were trapped in the lobby of a building because of the uh, smoke and stuff. Yeah. And um, he eventually, he eventually, they, they had to stay in there and they had to like get shirts and put water on them because they couldn't breathe all the dust and the debris from the buildings coming down. Uh, had them trapped so that you couldn't even breathe. You couldn't go out. So they had to wait for that to clear. And they um, eventually just, you know, him and the other group of people, they got out and they started walking uptown. There was really no way to get out other than the ferry. So they got, uh, I think he got, made his way uptown through, you know, all the uh, debris and dust that you always see pictures of on the street. And he got up and uh, got the ferry and finally did get home, I think, by midnight that night. So, I mean, he, you know, it's horror story. He's, he, this is the way he told me about it. He said, he said, I was in Vietnam. He said, I never saw anything like I saw today. Wow. That's really significant to make a statement like that. You know, he was within proximity to like see and hear bodies, you know, hitting the sidewalk and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's definitely a big one. Um, should we keep going or you want to give your mom a call? We can keep doing ours. It's either one. It's up to you. Um, yeah, we can do. Want to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. <clears throat> so you, um, I guess that counts as mine. You want to do one? Um, yeah, I guess the other one that I would think, um, although I didn't go, mm-hmm. it's still a, an event. I think there's a life-changing event it, during my time is Woodstock. Yes, that's a good one. Um I have a feeling that had I been here, here meaning in New Jersey, uh, I might have somehow gone. But I was living with my dad out in uh, Illinois for that summer. Okay. So I wasn't here. And uh, What month did Woodstock take place? It was in yeah. August. August, okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so it was like, you know, um, just the idea of doing that. I remember seeing in, I don't know, probably Rolling Stone, I think I used to subscribe to, seeing, you know, about this this thing and like wow that's pretty crazy they're you know having all those bands in one spot you know little did i know how crazy it would turn out to be right but anyway that's uh, you know i consider that to be certainly a historic event in music and you know culture yeah did you know anybody who went to woodstock or did you hear any stories from it no nothing firsthand although a couple years ago we did visit the site it's a really interesting site uh, that they have up there now and you can they have it marked out. You can see where the stage was, and wow, you know, it's pretty. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty. They have a museum. It's a whole um, 
entertainment center. Right. They have uh, amphitheater and restaurants and stuff. Okay. So it's very interesting. They have a lot of lot of you know uh, artifacts in the museum. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting place to see. So that's the closest. I did get to Woodstock, except it was like 50 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> too late. Well, I've heard it's a beautiful area, so at it least is. you made it, even if it was late. Um, all right, I'll do another one. Uh, I guess going along the same historical lines before we get more like personal was one for me was Obama being elected and campaigning and everything at that time. I was in seventh grade and I remember like taking this quiz that we had to do in our, in our social studies class. It was like, you know, what do your, um, morals or ideas and beliefs align with and I'm like well I'm 12 so um and I just remember like everybody wanted Obama and Uh and it was just really really cool how um passionate a lot of people were and it was definitely a a groundbreaking event in in our world Mm -hmm. so and you just attack this on to that not really historic event I guess it is but it's something that occurred in my lifetime that I can't believe occurred in my lifetime while I was actually alive. But, um, you know, when you're talking about Obama Mm -hmm. being elected president, first black guy elected, you know, first black president, such a historic event, then that makes me think back to in my lifetime, I was young, but still was in my lifetime, there was uh, still segregation in the South, black and white bathrooms, restaurants. When I, when I, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, a couple of years ago, saw a news story about it and I was watching it. And when they started saying like the dates, I'm like, wait what? a minute, that right. was, I was a kid. I was, that was during my lifetime. It's just so hard to imagine that in yeah. my lifetime, that kind of stuff was going on. Yeah. It really is amazing to think that it, I think we can kind of, at least at this point, um, think of it as more historical, like back in the 1800s than yeah. it is. Yeah. You don't think of it as being so recent. But it really was. Do you remember any specific events like uh, with segregation that you experienced? Um, not really. Just, you know, everything was ever present, even more than it is now on the news then because, uh, you know, every night on the news you'd get reports and, and a, lot of the, um, a lot of the stories of, you know, things that were happening. I say down south because that's where it was. I'm not trying to pinpoint anything. But that would always be the news, you know, it was either some scenes from Vietnam or scenes from some racial conflict in the South. That was the news almost every night, you know, gotcha. during that time. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, should we give your mom a call? <clears throat> yeah. Let me see if I can round her up here. Or well, not. <laughs> I was going to talk about how great technology is now, but maybe it's actually not. <laughs> that was my next one was technology. Well, um, we'll try. You want to try giving her a call again, or do you want to wait? Go more? ahead. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Well, on that note, because we got to love technology, um, <laughs> that was a big one for me. Was uh, the advancement in technology in my lifetime? I think has to be the biggest. When I was starting to think about this, um, for one, Apple was not even a thing when I was a kid at all. Um, in that, like in the household or anything. And I remember my mom getting the first iPod and I was nine and I just thought it was like a Palm Pilot because she had one of those too. And I, it didn't really seem like anything. And 
I remember I wasn't allowed to touch it. I was just allowed to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just that big, chunky first one, too. It was the Nano. And then I remember getting uh, the very first shuffle, and that was it for my birthday. And it was the end of the world to They're me. They're the coolest things ever. Yep. First album I bought off of iTunes was Hannah Montana's first, the my, first Miley Cyrus. She wasn't even Miley Cyrus, and she was just Hannah Montana. And I listened to that. So that was my jam. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can not get a busy signal this time. Well, that does remind me on that note also of having to use dial up at my grandparents' house. That was definitely Aww. a throwback. Life was so hard for me. It's tough. There's a little thrill though when the the signal went through. I was like, that is noise, it gonna work? Yeah. Because sometimes it didn't and you had to do it again. All right, you do another one from your your lifetime. Uh, let me think. <laughs> like what was I one what was school life like for you because that was something I was going to ask your mom too so we can compare like well my um I started uh, I went to 3 years of Catholic school okay. then I switched to parochial school in Hamilton and um they were pretty compared to now when I see like class sizes I'm like wow that our class was you know maybe I don't know 60 people maybe Your graduating 80. class yeah yeah, yeah. That's very small. So the, yeah, the class sizes are very small. <clears throat> but the school I went to uh, in Hamilton was, at the time, very conservative and strict to the point where we still had a dress code. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, so like guy, girls weren't allowed to wear slacks to school. Uh, guys, you couldn't have uh, your hair be over your collar. There was these certain kind of shoes you weren't allowed to wear. You know, you couldn't wear jeans. There was a lot of... A lot of restrictions. Yeah. Which I tried to see how many I could break. <laughs> what was what would you? Well, do it's in the nineteen sixties, you know. So I used to go to school where you know put on some kind of chains or like love beads or something, you know. Right. Sure enough, take them away. You get them back at the end of the year. Well, they had quite a collection of my stuff down there. I bet they did. <laughs> I'm like, come on, hippies are wearing this stuff. You know, I got to wear these beads to school. I got to be cool. <laughs> I got to be cool. <clears throat> so yeah, that was that's how strict it was. Um, and then what I just said before reminded me of something too. Girls were not allowed to wear slacks. Right. I guess, you know, because they weren't dressy enough or whatever. So somehow I got involved with a few other people in my class and we organized this like protest thing uh-huh. where we get as many of the girls as we could to come to school wearing slacks. Okay. Intentionally to protest. Because our thought was, why is that bad? You know, right. if it's supposed to be somehow distracting, isn't, you know, at the time, miniskirts were very popular. Like, isn't that distracting? I would think uh, the skirt know. would be more distracting. Yeah. So we did this whole political thing, you know, we're like, we're going to have a protest. So we were going to, we actually got a lot of people to do it. Yeah. And uh, I think we wound up getting, I don't know, some kind of suspension or like, got some kind of trouble for it. That's but we really did it funny. anyway. <laughs> I remember my mom, she also went to, she went to Christian school for a while and they had a dress code and she was explaining how she had to wear skirts and she lived on a farm and she got this job from her grandfather at the time to make money to go walk down the lane and to feed the chickens in the morning. And she thought that was a great idea. And she's like, I did not think about the fact that I was going to be before school 
it was winter and I would walk <laughs> through the snow in my boots and my skirt. Oh, no. And she's like, and take care of those stupid chickens. And she's like, it was not worth the money. And I had to stick to the commitment. She's like, but the worst part for her was that she couldn't wear pants. It yeah. didn't matter if it was snowing, oh, to raining, school, right. anything. It had to be a skirt. And I was like, that that's just cruel. Yeah, we and had, she had to walk to school. So We had uniforms in Catholic school. Yeah. All right. We are attempting the call again. Third time. Is it the charm? Yes. Woohoo. Here we go. Here we go. Hello? Hey, Mom. How you doing? Okay. How are you? Good, good, <laughs> We're doing good. good. So we got you here. We, we're getting you recorded. So first, um, your name is Josie Barr, and you were born in 1928, right? Right. Okay. Um, why don't you start out with, like, some of your childhood memories, like anything that comes to mind? Uh, well, I was born in Nesco, that's on Pleasant Mills Road. Just outside that's of Hamilton. the road Hamilton. that goes to Badstow. I think it's 561, too. Yeah, just outside of Hamilton. Okay. Okay. So, how many siblings did you have? Any? Yes. Okay. I had a sister, and I had a set of twin brothers and another brother. We were five altogether. Okay, I'm one of five, too. Um, so like, what I'm the oldest and they're all gone and I'm still here. Still hanging in there. So remember that little school we went to? That's where you started going to school, right? In Nesco? I but, went to a two-room school. It, which, which is, is still a there. Now. Wow, that's very cool. What was it like <laughs> being in like two rooms? What were the classes like? Uh, like we were five or six in each class, like... But the lower grades were in one side and the other, and we were in the other room. But we had a, the building had a great big stove like that was, it was humongous. I remember that. That was the heat. For heating. Yeah. Um, so were you a good student? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you didn't like have to write on the chalkboard or anything? <laughs> no. But they didn't they didn't let you they, how long did you go to school because then they had to get you to work, you know, stay home and work, no? I okay, when I was 13, we moved to Hamilton then. Oh yeah, okay. And I went to grade school there. Okay. I mean, uh until yeah. 8th grade, I don't know. Right. And and I went one year of high school. Mm. Okay, so then after that, you started working after one year of high school? I started to work when I was 16 years old. Okay, what did you work as? I worked in a tailor shop for 25 years. Wow. <laughs> so did you keep that original job you got at 16? You just kept that one? No, I moved to different buildings, but the same kind of work. Okay. You know. How much did you make at that time? Oh, my God. I don't even remember. Was, <laughs> I, I hope that's not a rude question. so little you can't remember. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, so, what kind of music did you listen to around that time? Oh, jeez. Who were your favorite artists? I really didn't have any. We, we got a radio, I guess, like 
when I was a little older, okay. like 15 maybe, mm-hmm. my neighbors used to call my mom to, for me to go over there to listen to Orphan Annie on the radio. <laughs> what was Orphan Annie? <laughs> it was like a serial. Orphan Annie was, was a thing that came on every day, like an episode. On the radio? Yeah. On the radio. Huh. Okay. And it was yeah, just like a story. No then. That's very interesting. Yes. <laughs> so how often would you listen to the radio every day? Oh, no. But then the, the, the guys played music too, though, right? Even then? Who, who my brothers? Yeah. Because they started playing when they were pretty young, right? Yeah, well, when they were going to school and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Well, one of my brothers was more of Uncle Joe was the older one. Of yeah. Them. And he, he, he liked to play music okay. more than the other two. Did you do any music? No. <laughs> no? Well, what did no. you enjoy doing? Uh, when I was younger, I didn't do much of anything. You just, you just, uh, hung out with everybody because else? my brothers, I had to take care of them in the summer. Okay. When I was off of school. Okay. There were three of them I had to take care of. So you had to, like, babysit? Babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> That was me too. I was I'm the oldest girl and I have four younger brothers, so I know what that's like. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> what was what were your mom and dad like? Oh jeez. My dad was twenty years older than my mother. Oh, okay. I don't know how to explain them. My my dad always worked out in the far, a little garden that we had. He, he had about an acre of ground. They were and they they were they were both from Italy, from Calabria. Okay, directly from Italy. Did they immigrate here in their lifetime? Oh yeah, yeah. They came here. My grandfather was here uh, before my grandmother. Okay. His first wife died here. He went back to Italy. And got my grandmother and married her. Came back again. <laughs> okay, so that was your parents then. Yeah. What did your parents like do for work? Well, my father was just a a farmer. Okay. I remember him. They had a thing called the. Uh, it was a WPA. Okay. Where they gave people work, and they worked. They made worked on the highways. It was like a government they, project. They worked on, on 12th Street. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I remember him working there. Okay. But then I remember, too, he used to uh, go, like, trim peach trees for other people. Yes. And, you know, stuff like that that they didn't know how to do. And he farmed, and that was pretty much it, right? Grandma used to but do... But he also, he also worked before... I don't know. I don't remember him working there, but he worked in Badstow in a shell factory. It must have been Warden Park, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where they made ammunition. Where they, where they made the shells? Yep. How about that? He worked there. Yeah. Oh. He used to ride bicycle to go there. <laughs> That's funny. 
Hmm. Now, was that during the war? That would have been World War One. Okay. When, yeah, when probably. Yeah. And how old were you during World War Two? Uh, let me think a minute. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, Take your time. Yeah. So that, I mean, that war basically. I I was I was already going out with your with with your dad. Right. I was going to say you you had to be almost twenty, eighteen or twenty or something like that. Okay. Eighteen. We got 18. married when we were eighteen. Okay. When I was. So then that I mean all during that time before the war was still going on. Do you remember any like the any of that stuff they used to do, like the rationing and you couldn't buy this or that or anything? Oh, yeah. We couldn't buy uh, pantyhose. You were, they were rationed stockings. Oh, yeah? Yes. And gas was rationed. We used to get stamps to get gas. Wow. And, uh... So now, I don't know if this is something you would remember or not. So when the war actually ended, how do you think you found out about it? Like, nobody had... You didn't really have TV that much, right? Or radio? No, but I don't know how how we found out. But Probably one of the neighbors or something found out. And yeah, right. Some, neighbors, you know. Like word of mouth. So then what? So everybody was like partying or what? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> you know, they were riding around blowing horns and carrying flags. And everybody was hanging out the cars, windows and... <laughs> I'm sure they were drinking, but that wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember any of your friends coming back home or people coming home? Yes. I had a nephew that was in the service. Okay. And he came home, and they gave him a party. Oh. And his sister and I drank. We never drank. <laughs> And we got sick as dogs. <laughs> that was the end of that. What did no you? No more drinking for me. What did you drink? Who? Who knows? People were making drinks. <laughs> making some moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> probably. They probably had some stuff that I wasn't supposed to be even drinking. <laughs> Do you remember anybody that you knew or like friends? knew people who passed away in the war? I knew of some, but I don't remember their names now. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anybody in your family? Oh, no. Well, that's Not a, anybody close. That's a blessing, Ben. So then after that, then all the all these, like, restrictions started lifting, these rationings and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I bet you guys were happy about that. We used to get, uh, they called the commodities, like they would give you stuff like butter. Uh-huh. And uh, it was white, and we had to put a little pellet in it and make it yellow. <laughs> Ew. Coloring. That sounds very gross. <laughs> they, would give you, they would give you basic stuff, like, you know, yeah. maybe peanut butter or jelly, something like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't Grandpa throw out some peanut butter one time that you had? Yes, he said it was going to stick to our our stomach. <laughs> he wouldn't let them eat it. <laughs> he wouldn't let us eat it. What were some of the things your parents didn't let you do when you were younger? Like, what were some of the rules? Oh, geez. I really didn't have any rules. Oh, I know one. <laughs> what was it? When we lived, when we, before I moved to Hamilton on the farm, 
well, on the weekends, people used to come and the kids, we would always play, like, you know? Right. Well, then I wasn't allowed to play because I had to work. Oh. I should have been out in the farm weeding or doing something. I see. Yeah. So I I got punished for that. (laughs) That's funny. We, we, We even did that when we were little. We used to stay there. And we were just expected to, you get up in the morning, no play, no nothing, eat, go in the field and pick until lunchtime. Then in the afternoon, we were allowed to play or whatever. Right. And you were like relieved. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember like the first time you ever wore makeup? Oh, um, I used to wear makeup when I went to school, like, the, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, like what you well, said, you did young. Probably after I moved to Hamilton because the other girls were like, you know. Yeah, so I wonder Grandpa didn't make you throw that away. <laughs> oh, geez, no. But I went one time to get my hair frosted. Uh-huh. And when I, I went to pick up the kids, Joe and Linda, uh, he looked at me and he says, would you do get your hair painted? He said, you better go have it taken out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's so funny. I guess that was a little too modern for what him. Did, what did you say? Uh, he couldn't understand why I had it done, you know. <laughs> That's very funny. So what was it like growing up being the mom of, of Joe and Linda? Uh, it, it was fun. Well, let's just get this. Let, let, let's just put this out there right now. I was always the favorite anyway, so... <laughs> You can say it if you want. <laughs> Me and my sister so Linda always do. will tell you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. I know the reality was Linda was good and Joe was bad. <laughs> no, he wasn't bad. <laughs> well, they so, were both good. Yeah. They were both good. They never gave me a hard time. She raised us for, you know, quite a number of years just as a single mom, too. So That's pretty good. That's very impressive. That's a lot of work. While working. Wow. Steady job. Wow. Well, that's why you're still going now. I couldn't, I can't stop you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to doing things, you know, from when I was young. So, you know, never a slacker. Yeah. So this this quarantine nonsense is not your style, is it? Yeah. It is not my style. I said I I, I can't. Somebody just called me before, and the, she was inquiring how I was doing. So I said, I can't stand being home and not being able to go out, you know, I can anywhere. Re- I can relate to that. I like to be busy and get stuff done, so I just twiddle my thumbs. I'm not sure what to do with myself. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, yeah. So, do you have any more, any last thoughts you want to share? Not really. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining I, us. Then. I've had perfect. a good life so far. <laughs> That's good to hear. That's really good yeah. to hear. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Okay. All right, Ma. See you. Thanks for having me. Yep. Oh, our pleasure. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was great. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. From 1928, she's been around for a couple years. She's seen a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she really sat down and thought more about it, she probably would come up with some more. Because I'm always prompting her, like, a, during the war, what was going on. You right. Know? But uh, I guess it's just kind of like we're doing now. You just 
had to do it and you just they just did it and yeah and it's interesting it. with the rationing i mean that's a really foreign concept but at this point with covid we're getting to that point too with you know uh toilet paper yeah. and uh Paper I do actually remember wipes. gas rationing in the 70s. I forgot about that. That was okay. kind of a weird event. you know. What, kind what of, was that due to? Uh, gas shortages, you know, okay. supposed oil shortages from the Middle East. Right. Um, and they had to start rationing gas. This wow. was, well, I was already driving, so I forget what year it started. It was in the early 70s. Um, so they went through different phases where you could only get half a tank then, uh, depending on your license plate, you could go on odd or even days. Right. You no, know, and there would always be long lines, so you really had to like calculate when you wanted to go somewhere. Like you couldn't just the spur of the moment say, "Yeah, hey, I'm going to go wherever." You know. Right. You had to make sure that you were able to get gas right. to go wherever you were going. Um, so the one funny story about gas rationing is at the uh, time I had a Volkswagen 1961 Volkswagen Bug. Um, it had a foot lever on the floor mm -hmm. that if you started to run out of gas you flip this foot lever and you'd have like another gallon of gas so you knew you had to go to the gas station well because it had that feature it had no gas gauge right just didn't come with one so the gas rationing one of the things was if you pulled in they had a check and if you had more than a half a tank they wouldn't give you gas wow. so every time i went in there they were like amazed i'm like the I'm sorry, but the car has no gas gauge. They didn't make one on it. Right. So they would always give me a gas. That's very convenient. <laughs> that's that's definitely perfect for that. <laughs> um, that is an interesting event. All right. Well, I guess I'll do one of mine now. All right. uh, on the technology lines that I was on before, I remember getting my very first cell phone. I was 16, um, which is funny because uh, I see like kids getting phones at like five now but <laughs> there was nothing to do on my phone it was just a basic flip phone you had to click the buttons like three times to get a c you know what i yeah, mean yeah 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 so texting was uh tedious Painfully to say the not least. Worth it. <laughs> right and i think there was like a one like very basic game on the phone it was like tetris or something <laughs> and that was it that's all you could do on your phone make calls yeah so yeah my first one was one of those that was almost like a suitcase a, a bag, car phone? Bag yeah. phone, car phone, yeah. It was it was literally like a regular big house telephone in a bag. That is <laughs> but so But it plugged cool. in the cigarette lighter. And like the service and the cost of the calls was like ridiculous. Like $4 in a oh, minute or wow. so when they first came out with those. You know, yeah. so that really was the time when everybody used to say, I have a cell phone, but I only use it for emergencies because the cost per minute was like prohibitive. Right. Like now it's fine, you know, but at the time you would really use them sparingly when they first came out. And that's funny you say that because I remember like unlimited texting was not something that really came into play until fairly recently. And mm -hmm. I remember being 16 and going with that phone on a vacation to Florida and the guy I was dating at the time, we sent each other we three texts a day because you had to pay for the text. Each and my one. mom was like, don't go over the plan. <laughs> uh -huh. And so I would have to like cram all the words and I'd like <laughs> skip the spaces so he could understand. But that's hilarious now thinking of conserving my text. Yeah. That's just not really realistic at all. Um, do you remember when they first advertised uh, car phones? Like what that was like? No. Like what, how, how did you discover Carphone? Like somebody else had one? Well, because I don't even know because, oh yes, I do know. Somebody, I think it was somebody where I was working had mm -hmm. one. And I've always been and still am uh, 
just a, a consumer of new technology. That's the truth. I just love it all. So <laughs> it's no surprise that I had one of the first ever mobile phones that came out. It was a running joke between Joe and I when we first met because, <laughs> you know, not to be ageist, but like most <laughs> older people struggle with technology and texting. Joe actually works <laughs> in technology and coding, so he definitely understands iPhones and all that stuff better than I do, better than a lot of young people do. So Joe always gets uh, ageism against him. People assume yeah. he can't do stuff. I'll, yeah, you can, uh, you can text. I mean, you can. You can <laughs> if send you know a how message, to text. <laughs> right. On the Facebook. Yeah, so that's always funny. Um, I get an opposite ageism uh, against me regarding old stuff. I remember I told you this story. I was on the boardwalk one time with uh, Joe's wife, Connie, and uh, they had Killing Me Softly by the Fugees playing. And there was a guy who was older, like, I don't know, 60s or 70s, who, like, looked over and said in the ice cream shop that we were in, he's like, I'll give anybody $5 who can name the original artist of this song. It's like, uh, Roberta oh, Flack. He didn't plan on you being there. Yeah, and he's like, did you just look that up on your phone? I was like, no, I like Roberta Flack, and it's a good song. And he's like, how did you know that? You're so young. I'm like, I listen to good music. <laughs> and it's very true. Yeah, the first time we started trying to play music together, that was my reaction, too. It was like reverse ages. And I was like, right. wait a minute, how do you know that song? <laughs> yeah, I grew up on all the oldies and jazz. Um, but uh, I think my mom was a big influence on that because she, her grandma, which would have been my great-grandma, passed away when she was 12. But when she was young, she could come over and put on records and stuff yeah. like that. And my mom said that my great-grandma had a bunch of jazz records and one was red red robin that when oh, the wow. red yeah. red robin goes bop 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 and so she said i she fell in love with jazz ever after she heard those records so i guess that got passed down to me that's cool it's very cool um i'm gonna go drop ahead. one more yeah go ahead if i can before i i don't know how i would forget this but anyway just popped into my mind um certainly a big historical event was the moon landing Oh, yeah, that that's a big one. Can't early that lifetime. One. I had already been a big fan of any of the stuff NASA was doing. I would watch all the, you know, launches on TV. Right. When they would just orbit the Earth a couple times and come back. But I was glued to the TV for all those. So certainly when the moon landing came around, I was right there. You know, it was great that it was on live TV. It was so amazing. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I was um, out must might have been the same year. Yeah. I was out with my dad out near Chicago, okay. living out there with him for the summer. So um, that's where I was. But it doesn't matter because turned the TV on and every the whole nation was seeing the same thing. Right. It was probably every TV in the whole country must have been tuned to that. Yeah. So it was just amazing to uh, watch that and, you know, just see those guys come down um, and wonder... You know, why did he just say that quote? And years later, you found out that he sort of like misstated that quote. It's one small step for man, is what he said. Yeah. That's one small step for man, a giant leap for mankind. But about a year ago, I read the story where what he meant to say was, that's one small step for a man, oh. but a giant leap for mankind. <laughs> that does make sense because, like, there really isn't much difference between man and mankind like, right. for a man. And I always wondered that, too. I was like, That's why would he say so that? Funny. That's kind of not, you know. And then turned out that 
he intended to say something else, but didn't. And slipped, and now it's a <laughs> yeah. famous quote, yeah. a wrong quote. That's uh, so funny. I've never heard that story before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was my other major event in my lifetime. That certainly was a big I think that's a pretty good one to end on. And I believe it. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I was just about to say, do you have any people who are like, that's not true? He's oh, yeah, not I know some real. people would say that. Did anybody say that at the time? At the time, no. 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 Not until later. That's funny. All right, well, there you have it from Josie, Joe, and me, all of our different times. Thanks for joining us, and uh, maybe we'll do another episode sometime with somebody else that we can interview from different history.